When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoli, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Okay, we don't have to like introduce ourselves anymore, Doug. We've got that opening now. <laughs> we love that opening. What the guy who's doing that every week? We are not paying him enough. Doug Brazzoli. Yeah, I good. didn't. I didn't quite program it to give the consonants their spaces. FSS, FFSN. It says it very quickly, uh, and I thought that the music would perhaps. I thought it was a little too much uh, initially, but then I'm like, I think it's fun. People are expecting, yes, the Giants, and then it's just the two of us going like, ah, the Giants are terrible. <laughs> the Giants. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, we'll see you in 2025. <laughs> So you're listening to Giants Croncast. It's Croncast number three. That's right. We're on Fans First Sports Network. And we're going to talk about the San Francisco Giants weekend in New York, which went exactly as I predicted. Doug, they lost two out of three. I should tell everyone up front, we are recording this at the end of the last game. So I don't actually have the final score of the game, but the Yankees are ahead six to nothing in the top of the eighth inning. And Doug, the Giants have struck out 40 times in this series so far. You know, over the offseason, when they tried to sign those two big bats, I don't remember who offhand. It doesn't matter right now. Uh, you know, one of the things that people were saying was, you know, they really need some some offensive focus. They need a guy who you can point to. You can be like, yeah, that's the guy who we expect to get it done. They needed a guy who other pitchers would look at and say, oh, I'm worried about facing him. It would kind of affect how he, you know, it would get more strikes to whoever was hitting in front of him. Uh, and the Giants never got that guy. And so instead they spread their money around. Michael Conforto didn't have a good series. And, you know, obviously Mitch Hanniger didn't, isn't, isn't healthy right now. And so you're seeing the reason they went after two big names that they didn't get, which is that they spent two thirds of the series being shut out. We're assuming because they do have four outs left as we're recording this to score a run. And, you know, it's, they're it's opening weekend at Yankee stadium. I don't think even the most diehard giants fans would think that the giants on paper going into the season were better than the Yankees. And I think there's still a segment of diehard fans like the giants will just figure out a way. And I think after 2021, there's certainly an idea that like, Oh, the giants can program their roster to, to be good in some respect. But, I don't know. I kind of think it goes like this, Doug. There are six teams the Giants are absolutely better than, no question. There's 14 teams they're competitive against, and then there's nine teams they have no shot against. And I think the Yankees are one of those teams for sure. Uh, But it's baseball. Anything can happen on any given day. But this was hardly a surprising series. There were still good things to talk about, and I think we should mention them briefly. I'm going to give you the first one because I think it's going to be what I would say is the first one that stood out to you about a good thing that happened this weekend. 
I'm talking about Logan Webb. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Logan Webb, 12 strikeouts in six innings. You don't want to talk about any of that? <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, he, yeah, he was, he was really impressive. Um, you know, opening day, Yankee Stadium, I'm sure he gives up three runs, but if you make two bad pitches to the Yankees lineup, you should kind of expect that, hey, maybe my offense will pick me up. Uh, and they didn't. And so there's nothing that Logan Webb really could have done to win that game. But what he did, because, you know, as it turns out, if the Giants score zero runs, then it's very difficult for them to win a baseball game. At uh, least on the Judge home run, you know, Judge, it wasn't a good pitch, but Judge definitely had to do something. He had to go and get it a little bit to, to throw it out of the stadium. That was great. Um, I do want to ask you, Doug, do you think, that Logan Webb was at all distracted by his beloved Sacramento Kings clinching a playoff berth for the first time in 16 years. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I think he pushed it out of his mind because he was so happy. It was, it was just a big week for him. You know, <laughs> he, he got to make an opening day start. He, his Kings made the playoffs. You know, there were both very exciting events. I think they canceled each other out because he had, you know, one of the best starts of his career. He said other, other than the runs, he set an opening day uh, record for the Giants for strikeouts pitched in a game previously held by Madison Bumgarner, and also, also in a loss. Yes, also should be noted that the fourth earned run he allowed was a leadoff walk. I don't know why he started the sixth inning. I understand why. It, you know what? I know why he started the sixth inning. But after watching the Giants in the new era. For so long, it's like, okay, that's a, his day's over. And then he comes out and starts the six. And what does he do? He walks the first guy. And then, of course, that guy comes in to score. And it's just, it was just maddening to know, like, that's what's going to happen. And that's exactly what, what did happen. Uh, you know, the Giants have all these off days in the, in the, I think they have like two off days in the first seven days of the season, not games, but just, and it's just like, okay, so, and they have seven starters, eight starters. What's the point? Why not just put in a reliever there? You're losing, you know, three to nothing at that point, four to nothing. And it's just, no, it didn't happen. So uh, great start by Logan Webb must, must be pointed out. Is there anything else positively that stood out to you? Cause the negatives are evident. I feel. Uh, I mean, obviously you look at the way the offense showed up in game two and specifically Brandon Crawford, um, yeah. you know, Crawford came into the season and after the season he had last year, you could, you would be justified in being a little hesitant about the type of year you expected him to have. And he showed up and he, he smacked the ball over the park on, on Saturday. Um, it was great to see. It was like kind of 2021 Crawford just showing up and saying, you know, I'm not done yet. Uh, maybe it's like the Ray Durham 2008 dead cat bounce. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. It's Hey, if it, if it helps the team, if, it, if Crawford has a good year, great. And I think, Anyone that's like, wow, the season hinges on how Brandon Crawford performs. That's not where you want to be. I would agree with them. But also, the the season might well hinge on how well Brandon Crawford does this season. So if he can continue to... Remember when he came back from injury last year at the very end? And he was just all over the field. He, was a, he had like a couple of really great, amazing defensive plays to remind you. He still got it. And even on Sunday, uh, the shift rules limit what he could do, but he was still cover ranging over past second base, made a dive. He couldn't turn and make the throw in time. 
but you know, like he's still making Im- uh, impact plays on the defense. We weren't sitting there going like, "Oh, David VR," because he had Brandon Crawford covering, <laughs> covering him. And so I, I think it, it's the bat. Obviously, it's super important if he can hit at all. Uh, you know, as close to league average as possible. That's fantastic because he still has something to offer with the glove. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brandon Crawford was on my list, and then. The last thing I wanted to say is, even though he gave up a couple of runs, um, I still think uh, that Sean Jelly coming in and throwing 94-95 with the sinker, uh, he looked good. He struck out Aaron Judge. What, could you? I, I didn't. Could you imagine if the two of them just ran into each other in the in the tunnel? Aaron Judge <laughs> is used to is used to being the tallest guy wherever he goes, and then he meets Sean Jelly. And they have the Homer Simpson, Daryl Strawberry conversation. (laughs) Are you taller than me? (laughs) I never met you before, but yes. (laughs) So I I just want to throw that out for Jelly to come in. You know, it's hard sometimes to carry your your breakout in spring training into the regular season. So just want to put that. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, if, if Jelly can maintain that velocity that he gained this year, I mean, that, that'd be a real big deal for him. It'd be a big deal for the Giants, and it would help him stay on the roster. So, I mean, we agree. that We didn't, we didn't think the Giants were better than the uh, than the Yankees coming into this series, and, and we faced we experienced no surprises in that regard. I, I will say, I did think the Giants were a little better than this. Like, I, you know, the Yankees are a better team, but I thought the Giants' offense would maybe only take one game off. Uh you know, that was that was supposed to be their strength, right? The depth. Yeah, then, I would say yeah. even all the, these offers, a lot of you know they would get long at bats most of the time. There are certain things to look at and go. It's not a complete disaster. I mean, the Yankees do have great pitching. Um, the pitch clock might have something to do with it. You know, one thing we never thought about is, or I don't know how much it got discussed, but people pitchers taking longer to kind of rev up, you know, to throw harder, but also batters to kind of run through in their mind, what pitch is coming next or to get their swing ready. And I don't know, it kind of seemed like a couple of guys, maybe, you know, Michael Conforto's used to taking a little more time between pitches, <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. And who, who knows, it could just be a pasting that they have to get used to, but yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. I feel it's at 41 strikeouts and counting because they still have three outs, I believe. <laughs> So for those of you listening, try, who were excited to relive yesterday's game, <laughs> hey, 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 if the Giants score seven runs in the ninth inning, you're going to be in for a treat starting in about 10 minutes. Uh, I, I also want to say that uh, Ross Stripling, I don't think looked particularly great in spring training, and he has not really, he did not really look all that great uh, in his start Sunday. I do want to say that I absolutely see why the Giants want him because his slider and his changeup are quite fantastic. And he, but he didn't have his location. He couldn't put the ball wherever he wanted, uh, which I think is a key part of his arsenal there. So he was walking and giving up home runs. The two things, the Giants are like, if there's two things Ross Stripling is good (laughs) as, it's not walking guys and not giving up home runs. And he gave up like a 480, one of the longest home runs ever recorded in StatCast. Um, And then also he walked like three guys. So not, that's not going to work. But, you know, again, the negatives are are, are multitudinous. We could keep talking about that. Um, But again, still good things. Season is long. Uh, let's talk real quick about the end of that spring training only because some people might actually come here for news. 
and there are a couple <laughs> of things we missed. Uh, we didn't get to talk about, and it's just real fast. Sergio Roma's for farewell. We did touch on, he did pitch in the, um, in the exhibition game and listen, don't change this podcast. If you didn't know about what happened at the game, the news, Alex Pavlovich put a picture out uh, during spring training when Romo was in camp, he people were asking for his autograph. And every kid that asked for his autograph, he said, first, sign my hat. And then, so he wore that hat with all these kids' signatures on it when he stepped on the mound. And I got to say, the coal that's in the middle of my chest grew, <laughs> grew into five-tenths of a percent of a heart in seeing that. I thought that was fantastic. And uh, Romo, cool dude. Yeah, he's always, he always seemed like a good guy, like our complaints about him blocking us on Twitter, notwithstanding. Um, he's always very much a heart on his sleeve, like genuine person. And you know that for what's the end of his career, I mean, you could say the end of his career was last year, but the official end of his major league career, um, his playing career, you know, that's kind of how you want to see him go out, which is like telling the fans that you're as important to me as, as we all are to you. Um, and that's something that it almost has to be Sergio Romo to do that. The, you know, undersized guy drafted in a round that they don't even draft people in anymore. Um, who probably wouldn't have got, who it would have been hard for him to get a chance in today's game um, just 15 years later. Uh, like he, you know, the best analog of Sergio Romo these days is Tyler Rogers, who debuted way later than he should have because teams just never believed in him. Um, and so, you know, Romo just telling the fans, yeah, like Romo is as close to one of them as a player basically could be in terms of stature, in terms of uh, like ability to throw hard, like for a major leaguer, that's it. And so I think it was really important. It was great of him to do that and to, to tell the fans and to let them know they're a part of him out there on the mound. I also, I mean, Twitter won't exist in five to 10 years, but also I think those kids could honestly say like you, this is a sign, a guarantee you won't block us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your hat. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's no problem. I'm sure I said something that was unflattering to him and, and he's just trying to do his best. It's fine. I, that's why I don't follow athletes. I don't want, I don't want that heat. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. That was great. Uh, the Romo part of spring training, but the performance wise for the giants going into the future, Casey Schmidt, who we didn't really talk about too much, obviously, but, uh, we're focused on the start of the season. Casey Schmidt was always destined for the minor leagues. Uh, we talked about this with Roger, but sort of he's come up. He's kind of shot ahead in the prospect rankings. I believe MLB Pipeline has him as the Giants' number three or number four, number four prospect. But he won the um, he won the Barney Nugent Award and uh, given to the player who impresses the most in his first big league camp. And so, uh, it, it, more specifically, it's given in recognition of the player in his first big league camp whose performance and dedication in spring training best exemplifies the SF Giants spirit and it's named after an as, as, it's named after an assistant athletic trainer for the Giants uh, who passed away in 2014 previous winners Brett Auerbach last year Elliot Ramos and Joey Bart so mixed company to be in if you're Casey Schmidt <laughs> uh, uh, Elliot Ramos won it that's what I'm reading here did I did I miss misunderstand it let's see here you can always edit this out I mean, you might be right. I didn't check, but like, 
I don't remember him winning it. Yeah, he won in 2021. Oh, okay. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, very mixed. <laughs> also, I mean, also, you know, like Matt Duffy won it, but yeah. Casey Schmidt as a giant to look for in, in not the future, but even in the near future, theoretically, this season it could happen, you know, as a third baseman or backup shortstop, it's possible. I don't think you're looking at Casey Schmidt and thinking he's going to be the next Evan Longoria, but something important to keep in mind that his defense is, you know, it's approaching 80 grade defense at third base. And I think any right-handed bat who can hit a little bit, I think his hit tool projects to be basically league average ish um, with a great glove. Uh, I think that's something to look forward to. Uh, I can't believe, I mean, just the idea that the Giants could have an everyday major league player come up through their farm system seems like a miracle right now. So that's the thing to get most excited about because this is some pretty bad luck that the Giants are on <laughs> at this point. Uh, da- uh, David VR's potential season notwithstanding, that could still turn out to be something. But uh, So congrats to Casey Schmidt. I'm positive we'll be talking about him more this year on the Croncast, and he's definitely worth your attention if you're bothering to pay any attention at all to the Giants minor leagues. He's a name you should be looking forward to very quickly. Speaking uh, of younger players, we're going to talk real quick about a trade the Giants made on opening day. The trade for Matt Beatty from the Kansas City Royals, which prevented them from adding Bryce Johnson, who had a really nice spring uh, to the out, uh, to the opening day roster. Bryce Johnson also could have been a very good backup center fielder, Instead, it was Brett Wisely on opening day who came in uh, as a defensive replacement late in the game, which was bizarre. Um, (laughs) So it seemed like the beat writers were trying to stir up some trouble a little bit, I think, in retrospect. Uh, Susan Slusser and Andy Baggerly were kind of hinting that this ruffled the the clubhouse's feathers a little bit, that some young guys who played hard and earned it, specifically Johnson and Jelly, we're not getting recognized with opening day roster spots. Um, literally two days later, that's now no longer the case. Both <laughs> Johnson and Jelly are up. But I, I we're going to talk about why the Giants traded for Matt Beatty in a second. But I want to get your uh, thoughts, Doug, on them, on, on the ruffling the feathers quasi non-story that, that came out and what, what you think was going on there from the beat, either side, the team or the beat writers. Well, I'd, I'd say the beat writers were looking for something interesting which on opening day, which was not an interesting game. Um, and, you know, they probably were talking to, to players who had been in spring training with Johnson and Jelly. And they're like, you know, these guys did a good job. They're good guys. We think they're worth a chance. And instead the team does this weird last minute move where they put Brett Wisely on the roster, which they were clearly not expecting to do 24 hours before when they told him he was going to AAA. They trade for Matt Beatty from outside the organization, which was the kind of move that Farhan had kind of indicated they weren't going to do in the last day of spring training. They weren't going to go outside the giant system to, to put someone on the roster. And so, you know, if you're in that clubhouse, you're like, well, that's kind of a dick move. Like, that's that's probably what they were thinking. Like, not any more than that. Just like, no, oh, they shouldn't have done that. That's messed up. Um. I don't know if it's going to be a big deal. I mean, obviously by now they're both on the roster. Would Jelly have been on the roster if Joey Bart didn't suffer back tightness? No. Uh, so there, there is, they didn't really have a plan for him to be there. Now from the team's perspective, I can 
kind of see what they might have been thinking uh, in leaving them off, which is, yeah, they had a good spring training, but you know who else had a good spring training? Tons of guys who are going to be bad this year. Uh, it happens all the time that like a guy shows up in spring training, gets a ton of hype, and then he goes, you know, five for his first 40. And they're like, right, this is who he's always been. So yeah. like just to hedge a little bit on on that, because, you know, is Bryce Johnson really going to be that good this year? I, I think there's a it's there's a much better chance the answer is no than it is. That's yes. Um, I mean, they've already outrighted him off the 40 man before. So they've been down a, a road with him and they kind of feel like they know what they have in him. I agree. The Matt Beatty deal we should talk about just a little bit because, as you said before, the older players might have thought that the younger players playing well enough to be, you know, worth being added to the opening day roster and then not being a dick move. I think the terms, the situation that allowed the Giants to get Beatty is much more of a dick move, if we're being honest. (laughs) So as Alex Pavlovich reported on Saturday, he said... um, it looks straight out of 2019 when Farhan Zaidi added Connor Joe and Michael Reed to the roster to see if either could stick. And in part, it was, but the Giants feel they ended up just about where they would have, just in an odd way that was required because of a couple of different issues behind the scenes. The first was that Beatty, a player the Giants coveted. We have to remember that the Giants are always going to be scanning for old Dodgers because of <laughs> Zaidi and Kapler. And I think people sometimes forget that, myself included. So ba- Beatty was a Dodger. Um, so that's why the Giants coveted him, but he didn't make the Kansas City Royals roster, but he had a quote upward mobility clause in his contract. That meant if another team offered him a big league job within the next 48 hours, and I assume that means from like the end of spring training to opening day, the Royals had to let him go. It's somewhat rare for players to get a shot because of that, but the Giants scooped up Beatty for cash considerations. And then here's the part where it gets really screwy. Beatty had an option remaining and will and likely will spend plenty of time in AAA this season, but the clause required him to simply be on the opening day roster. And so the the Royals didn't have room on their opening day roster, but the Giants, by not uh, adding Johnson or Jelly, they did. And so <laughs> to get him so that they could then option him, which he didn't want. That's why I have the clause in there. Uh, they, that's how they did it. So now they have Matt Beatty in their organization, which they wanted all along. And now because of injury and uh, and that one move, they now have Johnson and Jelly on the roster. So it all worked out from a who earned it perspective. Um, but it was a way the Giants are always they're sharks. They're always going to be scanning and moving forward. And uh, we're going to like some of the things they eat. And we're going to wonder why they eat some of the things they eat. So, that was the case. Uh, and that brings us to the next little bit here, because the Giants also signed to a minor league deal uh, with a $4 million major league option, if he makes it, uh, Gary Sanchez as a catching depth option. But uh, also, I think it's pretty clear that Joey Bart is um, someone they're looking at and and wondering if they're going to stick with. Um, Zaidi was on KMBR the other day after opening day after the loss, and he was talking about how um, Joey Bart, they're sympathetic to his his uh, injury situation, his development situation. He had the broken hands. Uh, there was a pandemic here. Buster Posey suddenly retired. 
So there's there's sort of exigent circumstances surrounding Joey Bart's development. That said, he's not performing where they want him to. He also has an option remaining. His hitting profile seems at this point to basically be Gary Sanchez. So instead of waiting for him to get to become Gary Sanchez, why not just sign Gary Sanchez, who's a free agent still? And they had looked at him, Sanchez, earlier in the offseason, and Sanchez obviously wanted a starting major league job guaranteed. No teams gave it to him, so that gave the Giants a chance to get him. Have I evaluated that correctly? Is there anything other spot I'm missing there, Doug? No, I mean, I think that's about it. Joey Bart had the job last year for as long as they could justify give it, giving it to him, and he didn't do enough to be the unquestioned guy this year. Um, so they're going to go out and they're going to find new options. And the best new option that they could get into the organization uh, for only money was Gary Sanchez. I think Gary Sanchez also has a bad defensive reputation because he was on the Yankees. I, I know he was, I know I test wise and you know, some numbers wise, he was not a great catcher with the Yankees. I understand that. But with the twins, he had like all of his value came from, he was like a very positive defender. So the reputation that he is a bad defender, I think comes strictly from his New York days. He's only 30. He has defensive acumen, um, but his bat is sort of going to be the thing that also uh, gives him some value for the Giants. He's a right-handed pool hitter. So Oracle Park is perfect for him. He's going to have 30 days to get ready and then an opt-out if the Giants don't call him up. I don't think they're offering him $4 million prorated if they don't think he has the chance or they don't have the hope. I think they have the hope that he... He hits the ground running and he they bring him up and he becomes a power hitting alternate with Roberto Perez. Uh, that's what I, as an, an occasional DH, I kind of don't see why they would make this move if not for that reason. Yeah, I mean, if you only have basically a month to put him in, in AAA, get him up to speed, you're expecting him to be ready at the end of that month. Um, and you're expecting him to be up in the majors because otherwise, you know, you've just cost somebody who's going to be in your organization for the rest of the year a bunch of at-bats for basically no reason. Right, uh, and it, essentially yeah. down at that level, he's he's with Austin Wins, and, you know, I think the Giants liked what Austin Wins gave them last year, but then they also outrighted him off their 40-man, just like Bryce Johnson. So I think they thought, oh, we could, this is an area we can improve on in some way. And and I think Gary Sanchez is, on paper, a, a, an improvement. And... and uh, there was also a talk in that same KBR interview. The Giants were still trying to make another move, some some sort of backup, you know, back of the roster trade for their main roster. And you know, if if it doesn't sound like that came to fruition, but it doesn't mean it won't at some point later. And now you've got Joey Bart as a potential trade chip. You you've got you know you've got Gary Sanchez's deal as a potential trade chip now. Um, you have Austin Wins too. I mean, the Giants traded a, a minor league pitcher for Austin Wins, so. It's like they couldn't get any anything for him. Austin Wins was like a 90 OPS plus catcher last year. I don't think people remember catcher's offense last year was like terrible. Just yeah. catch, catchers across the league couldn't hit. So, I mean, like they're, the Giants have basically given themselves a lot of plan B options for the major league roster, some potential flexibility if they want to trade uh, from that position. I mean, Patrick Bailey still as a depth piece in their organization, and maybe he's going to keep developing positively for them. Who knows? I think there's just, you know, the Gary Sanchez deal both means something and nothing. 
<laughs> it's kind of at the end of the day. Uh, and yeah, the Joey so Bar- to, yeah, to me, by the way, the, the deal that they didn't make, the trade, to me, it seems like it was a non-major league 40-man guy. So like Elliot Ramos or Sam Long or something, like a minor deal involving one of them. That'd be my guess because I would have been surprised if they wanted to alter the Ross, the major league roster at this point at the last minute. That seems like something you wouldn't bank a lot on. Uh, that's a fair point. I also feel like we're getting into a part of this uh, analytics era where all the teams are starting to realize that they need to optimize all 26 parts of their active roster. You know what I mean? So it's like, who who could you start trading with to get the back of their rosters where they don't think those back of the roster guys are worth the back of your roster guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it starts to get really complicated in a hurry, but to what you said, but the rest of the 40 man. Yeah. I think that's where there might still be some. So the, so the end of someone's 40 man might help the giants there too. Um, let's move on to previewing the week um, because the giants are basically, you know, it's amazing that we all came into the season thinking, Oh, the giants are going to take what they've learned the last two seasons and um, it'll be different this year. No, it's the same. They're doing, <laughs> they're doing the same things. Uh, and they're just hoping it's going to work out. And the game is over. The Giants have uh, lost six to nothing. They uh, they struck out 12 times. They struck out 41 times in a three-game series. They uh, they were shut out twice. Uh, outscored a total of... Outscored 17 to 7? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. But now they're going to go travel to Chicago to face the White Sox for three-game series. Uh, another series with a random off day, right? They're going to have Monday is the opener in Chicago. Tuesday is the off day. Then they're going to play Wednesday, Thursday. And they're going to come back on Friday is going to be the opener against uh, Kansas City. I'm optimistic about that series, the the Royals series. The White Sox are up 3 nothing against the Astros right now, and they had a lead in their third game of the season against the Astros. Astros came back to win. So the, the White Sox are better this year, I think. They don't have Tony La Russa as their manager. They have Pedro Grifol as their manager. They've still got <laughs> they've still got all their, their good hitters. They've got uh, Yasmani Grandal is still their catcher, which he kills the Giants all the time. They've got Yohan Moncada. Louis Robert, I'm remembering uh, Dil- Eloy Dil- Jimenez. Dylan Dil- Cease. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the pitching, right? Dylan Cease... Yeah. Uh, G- they won't face Giolito. They'll face Cease, Lance Lynn, and Michael Kopech uh, in this series. And I think those are all really solid starters that the Giants are going to face. The bullpen looks a little soft for them right now, but I have to point out anyone who hates the Dodgers as much as Doug and I do, Joe Kelly is on their goddamn bullpen. So I'm going to be seeing that guy. <laughs> I mean, Joe, the... The difference between Joe Kelly, the pitcher, and Joe Kelly, the pitcher that Dodgers fans think Joe Kelly is, is so enormous. <laughs> Dodgers fans are like, Joe Kelly's the worst person to ever pick up a baseball in the history of the world. And he's like a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. For, absolutely frustrating to watch on either side. How many oh, yeah. times against the Giants would it be like, this guy's going to blow it. He's going to blow it. And then he would get out of it. And it's just like, how? He shouldn't. <laughs> so- <laughs> So the Giants will be facing him. Um, you know, the I think everyone had in their mind that this first month was the make or break for the Giants. But really, this first month is really tough with the travel. Don't forget the end of the month, Doug. They're playing in Mexico City, too, against the Padres. Yeah, so, so it's going to be like Coors Field, except we don't <laughs> already hate it going in. 
I think they did okay. I mean, they lost two or three against the Yankees. They didn't look particularly great in all of them. But even in the losses, I'm sitting there going like, you know, the Yankees were supposed to have really good pitching. And you know what? That really good pitching showed up. Um, The White Sox, I think, have pretty good pitching too. But they also seem like they're a home run group. So the Giants are a home run hitting team. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, The Giants are trying to be a home run hitting team. Let's be clear. So, and we'll yeah, see. and uh, Ross Stripling will not be pitching against the White Sox, so that'll help. I was yes. Yeah, so in the back of my mind, while I was watching Giancarlo Stanton's home run quickly sail almost out of Yankee Stadium, I was <laughs> like, "Why is he pitching the third game of the series? Why isn't he like the number five starter?" And then, as you you were saying, and I'm like, "Oh, of course, I would much rather have Ross Stripling <laughs> pitch at Yankee Stadium than uh, in whatever they're calling the White Sox Stadium now." So. <laughs> Yeah, that's something to look forward to. Uh, we don't have any of these numbers for what the records have been. The Giants playing there and because now they're playing every team every year. But I guess we should start looking at those old those old numbers. Anyway, the last time I remember the Giants playing there, it didn't go well. That That's my recollection. I don't have a str- I, I know I have watched the Giants play the White Sox in Chicago. I don't have a strong memory of it. I don't think any of those games were memorable. Or Doug, what's something you wrote that you want people to uh, check out this week on giantsdoug.substack.com? Well, I'm glad you asked. So this week, what I what I uh, wrote was uh, I did kind of a three part series. So two Thursdays ago, last Tuesday, last Thursday, reasons for Giants fans to be optimistic about the season, all of which have been completely invalidated already. Uh, <laughs> that was no, fast. that's not true. <laughs> um, but just, just reasons that, like, you know, you can feel good going to the season as a Giants fan. I was like, you know, I was kind of, I was being very negative in spring training because that's what I do because it's really easy. And I was like, you know, let's look for, let's look for the positives. Let's do what Mr. Rogers would do. Uh, so I, I had uh, one reason to be optimistic about every pitcher, one reason to be optimistic about every hitter, and then multiple reasons to be optimistic about the team as a whole. Uh, who knows if they're actually going to be good, but. If you wanna, if you wanna delude yourself into thinking they'll be good, like I do, I do want to delude myself into thinking that. Go check that out. And then this week, I' gonna do a major league season preview that I do every year with uh, my friend Mike. So we uh, we we make some predictions about what's gonna happen. They're extremely serious. They're guaranteed <laughs> to be accurate. I may or may not pick the Diamondbacks to win the NL West. Uh, and uh, and it'll be fun. And then after that, I'm going to do, I think, a multi-part series based on interviews I did at Rivercats Media Day. So oh, cool. When that. was that? That's great. That, Rivercats Media Day was last Wednesday. Oh, so cool. I talked to, uh, I don't have the list on me. I talked to Cole Waits, Casey Schmidt, Will Wilson, Elliot Ramos, uh, Kyle Harrison, and Keaton Wynn. Barney Nugent award winner, Casey Schmidt. That's right. <laughs> uh, on McCoveyChronicles.com, I wrote about uh, the Giants' new food options for the season. Uh, there's something called the Chur Waffle, and it's uh, not quite a churro, not quite a waffle, but actually both those things. And uh, I can't <laughs> wait to try one. There's this, I think this is the only major league stadium where it's going to be in. They're at Levi's Stadium right now, too. If you live in Fairfield, Sacramento, or Santa Clara, they have like a waffle and chicken shop too. So you can always drop in 
check that out on the site. And also I'll be doing the recap uh, for today's game, which I haven't done a, a recap since before I was fired, Doug. And I don't remember Whoa. which time now. <laughs> <laughs> we're on uh, Twitter still. I don't know what's going on with Twitter. I got to be honest, but that's where hey, social- as long as it exists, we're going to be on it. <laughs> At Giants Croncast. Also, check out at Fans First SN, Fans First Sports Network's Twitter handle. That will connect you to all the other ones. So if you want to off-season Niners, current season Warriors, current season Kings, if you're a Kings fan since they're in the playoffs, check out Fans First SN, and then you can see all the other shows. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Thanks again for listening. Hey, go Giants! Go Giants!